This is the Cajun Strong Style Podcast. 1037 The Game's exclusive pro wrestling podcast. Making his way to the podcasting ring. Hailing from the heart of Cajun country. It's me. It's me. It's the world famous CD. Let's ring the bell and get this party started off right. And welcome everyone to the Cajun Strong Style Podcast, 1037 The Game's exclusive pro wrestling podcast. Appreciate you listening in, however you're doing so, be it through the free 1037 The Game mobile app, 1037thegame.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever podcast gaming that you use. Appreciate the hell out of you for listening into the podcast. It's day late, not a dollar short, but trust me, it's well worth it because a lot of things happen involving payback. And the aftermath, there was some stuff that happened behind the scenes, behind closed doors that I think we need to talk about. That's why I decided to take it off because we originally recorded it on Monday, right after payback. And then lo and behold, we get some breaking news. I wanted to make sure I had time to sit back, see a lot of confirmation, if anything was being denied, what have you, and see what's causing all this after WWE payback on Sunday night, which was really good. It was a short show. I'll say that much. It felt a lot like an in-your-house event. I know a lot of people weren't necessarily a huge fan of what was going on with it because you know it was definitely a little less than ideal kind of circumstance. Why put two shows on in a week span? You know, this isn't New Japan where they largely just do two or three shows a month. This is oh hey, we are doing a pay-per-view on back-to-back weekends. A questionable decision, but it wound up working out kind of well. I'll get to my thoughts on some of the main card matches. I was surprised with the way they did Apollo Crews right after winning at SummerSlam last week. Now he's lost it to Bobby Lashley of the Hurt Business. The Hurt Business is booming. And needless to say, they are now in control of the United States Championship. Definitely disappointed to see Apollo Crews, a guy who I've always been a big fan of since back when he was in Evolve and Dragon Gate USA, all that stuff. But he really had showed off in a big way his offense. I think I mentioned I haven't mentioned this before, but he's probably one of my stars of this pandemic. Apollo Cruz, without a doubt, probably one of those stars I think really shined in the midst of an era where you're not having a whole lot of fans to kind of deal with. He shined and had an opportunity to really go somewhere. Now I'm wondering where this storyline goes from here. What happens with Apollo Cruz? and Bobby Lashley, and MVP, and Shelton, and whoever else could wind up joining the Hurt Business down the line. Because I think that's definitely the big end game here. I think we see more members of the Hurt Business and also the Hurt Lashley, or or the Hurt Locker, or whatever they want to call it. The Hurt Lock, that's what it was, the Hurt Lock. Not a fan of the name, and I'm sure Catherine Bigelow might be ceasing assisting that name before too long. And then it got to the other match, the a match I was least looking forward to on the card because I think when it comes down to it, the Iconics, the kickoff match, Iconics versus Riot Squad just did not give one iota of a care about it. And it was just kind of meh. And then comes, you know, the match where I really wasn't that hyped about it. Big E versus Sheamus. I feel like Big E, they're continuing to push the idea, and I like the idea of it, don't get me wrong, pushing Big E to the moon. But I think you need to be able to do a slow build and putting him up against a guy like Sheamus isn't the way to do it to me. They've got great chemistry because they've wrestled a lot in the past, but it just didn't feel the same. you know. And I have the fact Sheamus has had such a start-and-stop kind of return over the last year 
where he's there, he comes back, he's there, he comes back, and you just don't know which way he's going to go. I was very much, you know, not looking forward to this match. And he had trouble getting going early on, and he, he was taken off his feet by Biggie consistently, who, by the way, had probably the best gear of the night besides, I think, Seth Rollins. But Biggie had some phenomenal gear, all kind of the 90s throwback. Nickelodeon had the, all that knee pads, but it said Biggie. Very well done. Enjoyed his gear. And of course, he gets the win and countered the bro kick into Powerbomb. Got the big ending for the finish. A really great, a solid match that exceeded my expectations. Really weren't that much because I felt like I just did not care about what happened between Big E and Sheamus. Speaking of things I didn't care about, King Corbin. Ha oh boy, King Corbin just needs to. I I feel like sometimes the idea of like shifting, basically you have a touring group at, for like a good quarter of the year, and then the other quarter of the year you have these guys. I think that needs to be done at least somewhat, because I think it's time for King Corbin, Baron Corbin, whatever you want to call him, to basically go away for a good while. At least, I'd probably say till the end of the year, have him come back under the old Baron Corbin gimmick and have him be revamped a little bit. Have him be Baron Corbin, but in a different kind of package. Because I think now we sit here and we're watching Baron Corbin just run this King gimmick into the ground. It's time for him to kind of walk away for a little bit, come back and be under a, a fresh coat of paint, whatever you do, or are able to have fans in the stands for WWE events that aren't virtual which is a whole different thing entirely. But I think the fact that, you know, you, Matt Riddle got the win and it was very well done. It was a fun match and Corbin, you know, wanted to kind of do that, you know, and get it done. And it was just overwhelming, you know, to see what was going on with King Corbin, Matt Riddle, and why are we continuing this feud after Riddle won? Riddle was attacked backstage and put through a catering table. I'm like, come on, guys. We don't need to keep seeing this match. Have I feel like eventually you need to have a situation where Corbin needs to be taken away, taken off TV for a good while and repackage him. I think he'd wind up doing extremely well. That's just my personal opinion. I think Corbin is a great heel, but sometimes being a great heel doesn't mean, oh, hey, you know, draw money. This guy isn't drawing money. This guy's probably turning people away from the company overall in my book. And then you get to the women's tag team title match. I get why they did this. I completely understand why because you're starting to build – the tension between Sasha Banks and Bailey, and they're going to start really getting this thing up to a very good simmer. And this is probably the match of the night. I'd say there's no doubt in my mind this was the match of the night. Now, the match of the week, because that belongs to New Japan. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But overall, the women's tag team title match between Bailey and Sasha Banks and Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler, it was all about Baszler. Baszler had a fantastic double submission move to finish off the match, which probably puts this over the top with Baszler locking in the Muda lock, and then the Kira Fuda clutch on top of that on Bailey, and it was simultaneous. You know, it reminded me a lot of how like the DIY revival feud wound up going, where they had him in the submission hold, and they're both trying to keep themselves from not tapping, but it was just one person, which looked a hundred times more badass, and made you take Shayna Baszler a hundred percent seriously after the way they started her. This was the perfect situation to rebuild an absolute megastar in Shayna Baszler because she has every chance to get things done. Now I'm interested to see what happens going forward. 
Is Nia Jax going to continue to be the other half of the Raw Tag Team Champs or the Women's Tag Team Champs, excuse me? And I think when you look at it, Nia Jax, she's just there because you wanted to have that odd couple gimmick. I'm interested to see what's going to happen going forward. Is Nia Jax going to continue to be Tag Team Champion or are we going to see one of the four horsewomen? Or, excuse me, yeah, the real four horsewomen. We're talking about the MMA version. Marina Shafir, Jessamyn Duke. They've already been featured plenty on Monday Night Raw, so it'll be fun to see what happens with that group. Because, again, it's the odd couple, but Shayna Baszler is carrying the weight quite literally of this and put together one hell of a women's tag team title match that continues the storyline for Bailey and Sasha Banks, which I wouldn't be surprised if that comes to a head, let's say, around Hell in a Cell once we get to the month of October, and I'd say going into November, post-Survivor Series, maybe even TLC. Because I feel like we're going to get this be a big feud match, and the feud bleeds into Royal Rumble territory. Because I feel like right now, the way they're going, they're they're getting hot, and they want to kind of heat this up, in a rapid pace, I think it'd be best if they wound up saving this for, let's say, Survivor Series. Let's say we, I would have loved to see this get stretched out to Survivor Series, and then we see Bailey and Sasha blow up after that, and then you could start building towards the big match, the big main event of the SmackDown brand. At WrestleMania, be Bailey versus Sasha, because that's what this deserves. Is you've been building this feud up. For years, this retelling of an iconic feud between the two in NXT, I think they're going to do it again, but I'm interested to see how it all kind of ties together. And then we get Keith Lee versus Randy Orton. It was a really awesome match from top to bottom. You know, really hard chops at the beginning of the contest. Keith Lee was absolutely crushing it. And then he got the win relatively quickly. I think that was the big surprise of all this. Orton setting up the RKO, and then Lee hitting the spirit bomb out of nowhere for the win. And this was not his standard finisher, not the the Big Bang catastrophe. He was hitting it with the spirit bomb, which is a really badass move, by the way. It's probably one of my favorite like signature moves, I guess you would call it, because he's gotten wins with it in the past, but hasn't necessarily been you know the big dog. Hasn't been the one to secure the bag and get the win, but it was damn good nonetheless. Really fun match, quick fast to the point and then we get to the tag team match Ray and Dominic Mysterio the Mysterios taking on Seth Rollins and Murphy it's great to see Dominic get the win in tag team action thanks to his dad his dear old dad but a really overall fun match and you know yet Murphy kind of be a big reason why they came away with the loss kicking Rollins and then they had the 619 frog splash on Murphy for the victory and Ray slid out of the ring to toss Rollins into the barricade. So that definitely was well-deserved. A fun match. Not necessarily the best, because, again, I think you look at it, Nia Jackson, Shannon Baszler, and Sasha Banks, and Bailey for the women's sexy titles was a far superior match. And then we get to the main event, which I'm not surprised. I am not surprised at all they want up doing this. So it was a triple threat match. Fiend, Bray Wyatt, Braun Strowman, and Roman Reigns, who hadn't signed the contract heading into the match when they ended SmackDown. The big twist of SmackDown blew me away. I did not see that coming at all. I mean, you know, when Roman came back, you thought maybe it'd be the same old Roman. Eventually, he'd come out wearing the wearing the flak jacket, wearing the armor vest, 
He didn't come out with that at all. He came out with a wreck everyone to leave. And things changed overnight. You saw the storyline continue. And I was absolutely going to, I was loving the fact that Paul Heyman was there and called it not a, not a prediction, but a spoiler. And eventually Reigns wasn't there. Initially he wasn't there. And then you had a superplex that broke the ring, which I think at this point is becoming an overdone gimmick. And it doesn't need to be done each and every single time you have two big hosses going at it. It was a really weak storyline, really weak angle. I just was very much like nonplussed about it. Wasn't a fan of the way they booked it, but you know, it is what it is. And then we get to another really fun kind of I'm looking forward to seeing what's gonna happen here going forward. Roman Reigns gets the win. And again, this was a really short show, about like a two-hour event. A little bit different as opposed to what WWE's done in the past, but I'm hoping that doesn't become a trend for the future of the way WWE does things, where they do a big pay-per-view the next week, they drop another one back-to-back, because it just does not work as well as you might think. And again, I love the fact that Roman Reigns won the title and pinned Braun Strowman. Strowman took the loss that keeps Fiend Bray Wyatt looking strong. I had the fact that they had one hell of a just an absolute fight, left and right, sideways, just so much like dominance. Very well done. And again, Roman Reigns gets over. So I'm gonna. Cont- I, so I got a text from somebody after the pay per view ended saying, you know, same old BS. I disagree with that for a lot of different reasons. One, because it's not the same old BS. Because Roman Reigns is heel now. But I'm much more intrigued to see what happens next. That's all I'm caring about right now is what happens next involving Roman Reigns. Does he stay heel? Does he go more tweener? Why is Heyman involved with him? Like, What is going on? And explain how we got to this point. That's the real like billion-dollar question. But one of the things that we wound up seeing over the weekend that I was absolutely in love with was the big show in Shingu Stadium, Summer Struggle in Jingu, up in Tokyo. I was absolutely looking forward to this, and this is one of the most important shows of the year for me post-pandemic. And yet you saw some duds here and there and some really weird, you know, King of Pro Wrestling matches, the finals with El Desperado and Okada, taking on Sonata, and, uh, excuse me, the Fatal 4-Way. It was a little weird. But okay, you know, Yana wound up getting the win, which is really fun. I absolutely like that. But I think it was all about the main event. And that's all I really cared about. That's what I was looking forward to was the fact that, you know, you had Evil taking on Tetsuya Naito in a rematch of their Dominion match, which underwhelmed us all. Get out. I wound up rewatching it a couple weeks ago, and I was just like, really? That's what we got? It was very much a bad match and really showed, you know, it was overbooked to hell. And the fact you had the the finish the way it was, definitely wasn't a fan of that. But this was like a lot better. It wasn't a long, drugged out fight. But Evil losing to Naito that quickly made me so happy. Because again, this was for both the belts. Now Naito has another opportunity to really prove himself and really make this title mean something again. That's what I want to see more of in wrestling, is making these titles matter. And yeah, you saw a moment in time where Evil had the title and won it through nefarious tactics, and now Naito was able to overcome all that and prove himself to be the far superior one. We're gaining the titles in a 26-minute match 
so much better than the first one. But there was something missing. But also, full disclosure, I loved the intro, the celebration after, where basically Naito does his pose while fireworks are going off. I absolutely loved it. It was so much fun to see that moment happen. And you had a good bit of crowd there to see it. There to see it. And it was absolutely fantastic to finally see Naito overcome the odds almost two months after losing the title at Dominion win the bad boy back. Great stuff right there. Meanwhile, I think what everybody's been talking about over the last 24 hours is what's going on in the WWE. Because first off, you have Mauro Ronaldo leaving NXT, which seemed inevitable based off of what we saw on NXT this past Wednesday. It was no longer Mauro Ronaldo working from home or however he was set up. It was all about, you know, your boy, Wade Barrett, giving us some good news and being the voice of NXT, and he did a really solid job. And then we get to hear about the Fatal 4-Way 60-Minute Ironman match, which I can't wait to see. I'll talk about that in our bonus episode later this week when we preview AEW All Out. I'm going to have a special guest join the program to talk about that and so much more. Make sure you're listening to the Cage Strong Style Podcast, the bonus episode of the podcast we'll be having up later on in the week. It won't be like a Thursday. I think we'll drop that on Friday. But really a overall great show from WWE, despite the fact he had a couple like weird duds in the middle, at least to me, it was still a solid show for the most part. And then we get to you know the big news with Mauro Ronaldo. He is no longer with the WWE. He is now a free agent. It makes you wonder, what is next for him? Because obviously he still wants to make a crap ton of money. It's just all about who is going to pay him the as Titus O'Neil would say, millions of dollars, millions of dollars. Who's going to pay him the millions of dollars that he feels like he is obliged to make? How is he going to make these millions and millions of dollars? And everybody's bringing up AEW immediately. I don't think that's going to work because he is just going to basically ask the job out everybody to make sure that he looks like the absolute badass that he is. I don't necessarily see that as a great business model, but again, Having Brock Lesnar would be huge in terms of box office draw. Is despite the fact people may not like him, he is still a draw in 2020 and probably well into 2021 and beyond. I think if you can get Brock Lesnar to come aboard and but you're going to have to pay him a crap ton of money to pull it off, probably to fire a good bit of people, especially some of these jobbers and the guys you have in dark. But I think if you have somebody like Brock Lesnar, you're going to draw a. I'm not going to say a crap ton of money, but you're going to draw a good bit and you're going to be able to kind of maybe recruit some of your losses from, you know, but again, it's all about what's going to happen next involving the WWE. What's going to happen next with the way this company is going? What's going to happen next with AEW? Are they going to actually go with this? I don't think so. It just feels like that's an uphill climb in and of itself. Another big thing that happened was, I talked about Mauro Ronaldo earlier, him leaving was a big surprise, but he's doing it for the right reasons. It's not like he is leaving, you know, they get, they released him for, you know, some very questionable things that we've seen other people get released for and get fired for in the past. We're seeing this be done legitimately, and we know this is a thing that is happening, and I think we're more than okay with it. So best of luck to Mauro Ronaldo going forward. Hopefully he can kind of get on his feet and be able to do some awesome stuff 
in the future. And one more thing. I have to say, this is awesome. I was blown away by seeing this earlier today. And this is not as much wrestling-related per se. It's more about a particular word that pro wrestling has kind of birthed. And this is coming from the Dictionary.com announced its latest new words edition today and updating more than 15,000 entries in the company's largest release to date. This includes 650 brand new entries. And, of course, a lot of these make a lot of sense when you think about it because they've had newer revised definitions like ace, dead name, gender inclusive, pride, which also has a separate entry according to Dictionary.com, bisexual, pansexual. But it also has new words like jabroni. Yes, you heard me right. Jabroni is a word that they have added into dictionary.com. I was definitely blown away by the fact that the word jabroni was added into this list. But you know what? More power to them. That's been added on to the list. That's really cool stuff. Even though, even if you're not a wrestling fan, the fact that the word jabroni, which has been coined by The Rock, Iron Sheik, everyone in between, I mean, it's a mixture of Jobber and Hemenegger. Jabroni was basically based off of that, if I'm not mistaken. So, seeing the jabroni in the dictionary is really cool. I wonder what's next. Are we going to see Rudy Poo Candy? Yes. Are we going to see that in the dictionary? Again, this is not Urban Dictionary, which would be really cool if that was in there. Rudy Poo Candy Ass, you know, Candy Ass piece. Of, candy Ass could be one. You could probably come up with a lot of different things that The Rock has said. Even, you know, I'd say Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan. You can come up with a lot of wrestling terms. They can wind up in dictionary.com. Jabroni is just the latest. And that's going to do it for the Cajun Strong Style Podcast. Thank you for listening. Hope you leave a nice review for us. Five stars. If you're in the Tokyo Dome right now, I'd give you a lot of credit for being there, but also give us six stars if you're out there in the Tokyo Dome. More importantly, subscribe to us on iTunes, the Google Play Podcast. Just search 103.7 The Game. You'll be able to get that, along with all the other great content that we got, like the Louis Prejean podcast, the Rap Game podcast, all of our regular shows. We got so many different things that you can listen to, and we'll talk to you next time.